It just became this whole sort of system of, of development. And I mean, in my first year, we didn't have a single hamstring, calf, groin issue at all. Out of 20, I was responsible for like 28 players. And we were knocking boys down into for 10 meters and a two point low one sixes. I had a 33 year old run as the fastest time he had run equal PB to what he ran 10 years before. Wow. Um, and we were taking, I had all my guys in like running very, very fast and guys getting close to 10 meters per second on GPS. And, and these are hundred kilo, six foot athletes. Um, and yeah, rugby players. So they're all banged up a little bit as well. So that's kind of the story of Speedgate golf and closest to the pin. That was physical preparation coach Sam Portland speaking on the effectiveness of Speedgate Golf on the reduction of injury and improving speed. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Simply Faster. Simply Faster is an online athletic performance technology shop distributing items such as the free lap timing system, gym aware, K-Box, 1080 Sprint, and the Speed Mat. I've gotten many of these items from Simply Faster and can confidently say that they make today's best training technology available to everybody. The free lap timing system has revolutionized both my practices and my athlete assessments, allowing me to look at the 10 meter fly capability of dozens of athletes in a matter of seconds. It is wireless, compact, portable, and incredibly versatile. The K-Box and 1080 Sprint are fantastic tools for any coach looking to build speed, agility, and implement training scenarios that go beyond the traditional weight room. The 1080 Sprint is being used by great coaches training some of the fastest sprinters in the world, and it truly represents high-performance speed training. I can personally attest that Simply Faster's customer service is second to none. Christopher at Simply Faster responds quickly to queries, and anyone who makes a purchase from Simply Faster is in good hands. If you want to acquire some of the best high-tech training equipment available, stop by simplyfaster.com. That's simply with an I, faster.com. They are the future of coaching technology. Welcome to another episode of the Just Fly Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Smith. We are on podcast number 141, and our guest is UK physical preparation coach, Sam Portland. Sam is a strength coach who has been on the elite level for nearly a decade, uh, has worked with premiership rugby, Olympians, and international competitors ranging all the way from hockey to track and field. Uh, Sam was a guy who was first introduced to me by Kirwan and Flat, and actually it was the mention of Speedgate Golf on the episode I did with Kier that really piqued my interest on what Sam was doing. Um, funny, my, my memory can be, is usually pretty sharp, but sometimes it can be a little scattered if I don't have information down pat the first time. And the funny thing is, is Sam's concept of Speedgate Golf, which he's going to get into this episode, resonates with tons of things in the field of motor learning, uh, on its effectiveness and such as, um, there's a study I talk about a lot, this long jump study by a researcher named Ruzon. Uh, and I believe it was in uh, first, it, it was highlighted in a book on sports training by Thomas Kurz out of the 90s. And I, I first saw it in the book Easy Strength, but basically it was where there was two groups of long jumpers. Uh, one group would just jump as far as they could every single jump, whereas another group would jump different distances, not maximal every one. Maybe a couple were, I'm not sure, but the general vibe was that they jumped towards different targets. So there was different degrees of effort on every jump. And the group that jumped the farthest was not the group that tried their hardest every single time, but the group that had a wider array of tries. And uh, and so so that is just an awesome study that's really uh, highlighted and clarified a lot of things for me that I've seen and observed over time. Uh, recently, I've gotten into brain science. You heard me talking about it a little bit on the last solo episode that I did, uh, just talking about dopamine, keeping an athlete in a great mental state. Uh, keeping them in the experiential brain network, not the default brain network. And it was when I was doing that episode, I I circled back to what Kira told me with uh, about Sam and Speedgate Golf. And I mentioned a coach who did Speedgate Golf. <laughs> and as soon as I said that when I was recording, I was like, you know what? I really need to figure out who that was and uh, reach out to them. And I'm really glad I did 
because uh, Sam Portland is one of the most intuitive and creative and just darn good coaches that you will hear from. Uh, today in the, in this episode, he takes us into, uh, yes, Speedgate Golf, so his method of stress inoculation in rugby players and getting them to, uh, one, mitigate or do speed training, measured speed training in a way that they're not going to get hurt. I think it's pretty common to think or hear that, um, it, you know, if, especially if you uh, have a group of team athletes, field sport athletes, without a lot of track experience, that when the speed timing gates come out, especially if it's longer than 20 or 30 meters, and even if it isn't, you get a lot of hamstring uh, injuries and issues. And Sam has created and crafted a method that has has completely eliminated um, the in- incidence of injury in the course of speed training through a combination of psychology and adaptation, or physiology and adaptation, and motor learning as well. And along with that, he just has a unique way of seeing the weight room transfer from the weight room to competition, to sport, how it's structured in groups and teams. Uh, Sam is uh, not just a physical preparation coach, but also well-versed with the sport of rugby. Uh, he's a guy who has a, a great understanding of the global dynamics of coaching, how physical preparation and um, actual sport coaching should fit and interact and how each one can make the other better. And I think ultimately that's one of the things where I really um, hope to head on this podcast is how can we make the worlds of sport and the worlds of physical preparation more intertwined where we can get more more transfer, more resonance between the two, give athletes the best possible experience we can. So um, it was really great to sit down with Sam for this episode. Sam, again, uh, incredibly intuitive coach. So on this show, he is going to get into his background as an athlete, what got him into physical preparation. He's going to talk about the birth, the development, and the integration of Speedgate Golf. And whether you're a track coach, a physical preparation coach, a sport coach, uh, the motor learning and and psychological concepts behind that are just incredible. And I think they really make you think. It makes you think about how you are designing uh, your training interventions. I know it has for me. Uh, he's also going to talk a little bit about, a bit about his language and structuring in the weight room. And finally, we chat a little bit about how he would program speed in the context of in the context of sport coaching if he were a sport coach in uh, a global dynamics model. So overall, front to back, great conversation with UK physical prep coach Sam Portland. Let's get on to the show. So, Sam, what was your background as an athlete, and what got you into the whole physical preparation field? Oh, wow. Um, so, basically, I, I was playing. I had the dream to be a professional rugby player, um, playing growing up, and I got to. I got some interest. Obviously, got let go of an academy because I was too small, um, that whole thing, and then broke my leg playing uh, when I was 19, and it was it was a nice break and I was out for like 15 months with it and then within that journey of rehab and sitting on a chair for like nine hours a day twiddling my thumbs started thinking about how am I going to get myself right I, I fell in love with training I got some weights and was training in my parents conservatory I'd like wake up with cramps in the night because I had to sleep sitting upright so I'd scoop myself downstairs I'd do an upper body session go back to sleep wake up train again and just got the bug for it from then um and then it's it's always been for me now like still playing um semi-professionally being an athlete makes me a better coach because I'm constantly finding questions within my own performance and how I feel physically in response to my own training so I'm I'm constantly a living experiment it's it's hurt me a few times, but it's, I've also learned a lot from it in terms of like how do how does sort of external cues help me, and how do I internalize some sort of, of feeling that I'm trying to work with, and and that you know and that's been that's that's been sort of like a 13 year journey to where I am now, um, still playing and, and and putting down some pretty fast 10 meter times. I have to say myself, <laughs> of it. I, I love it, man. It makes me think. It was funny. I think like Brett Contreras just put something like this out. It was like a pie chart. It was like the time you spend, and it was divided between try time training yourself, time training others, and reading. And it was it was yeah. you know fairly equal. I don't necessarily think it would should look like that for everybody. You know, especially if you have a lot of athletes to work with, but. 
I think it's so yeah. underrated. I mean, people who train themselves and are constantly like learning and experimenting, it is, it is, I feel like one of the most underrated things in terms of, um, being, you know, getting, being a better coach. Like it all starts with that intuition, right. That comes out of your own yeah. experiments. Well, if you look at coaching from a point of view that we are supposedly academics in a kinesthetic world, like what's the most important thing to be doing is, is practicing the kinesthetic and feeling how you, you have to bridge that gap. And the best way to do it is by training. Um, and also I'm dyslexic. So reading is not my forte, <laughs> listening, talking, applying, you know, my athletes ask the questions for me. Then I go and f then I go and find the answer, you know, their body, the way that they respond to training, something's not quite working. Okay. Let's go back to the books. Let's see what they've been doing for 20, 30 years and then try it again. And, and that's kind of like my whole evolution of my training process, really. Yeah, I like I like that you said that. And I, I don't know if I've mentioned this in talking on this show before, but like I, I was been reading Robert Greene's Laws of Human Nature book. And he talks a lot about like masculine and feminine qualities and how like blending both like types of thinking together leads to the optimal result. But like in the SNC field, it seems like it literally is kind of branded by um, more quantitative thinking numbers and, and this like, yeah. you know, academic background. But then the that gap between that and the actual intuition that comes to you to as a coach yeah. is is so it's it's so different like it's and so it was i i forget how you said it again but i like that more than how i typically put it <laughs> academic uh, field uh, academics yeah. in a kinesthetic world and and also that's think of the, the like um i don't know i like a bit of a generalization but strength and conditioning coaches sometimes feel like like they have to prove how smart they are and it's kind of like, well, think about who you're trying to be smart to. Nine times out of ten, your athletes don't care what you know. They need to know mm -hmm. that you care and that they need to know that you can take them on a journey. And if if acceleration is knee forward, then I don't care about the joint angles. Just get the knee forward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Finding what resonates with them in that group. Um, I think I, I've been blessed that my, my groups are, are – pretty academic so that like at least made it easy soft landing for me uh yeah. recently at least because i tend to over intellectualize things but then it's like you look around and you're saying something and you start seeing some people like who are either not paying attention or not getting okay that's like okay now i need to change what i'm saying or how i'm, how I'm approaching this to you guys so uh, yeah i couldn't agree more with that one uh what uh so what led you to create uh, tell me about speedgate golf like how did you how did that idea come about uh were you just doing a workout yourself and were like okay like this this seems good like or was it situational by nature uh tell me a little bit about that and how that came to be okay so basically it was so i was brought into the rugby club that i was working with and I was in charge of developing the speed. I'd just come off a, a year of working with a track and field group and I was able to try, start to try and apply sprint training to the professional rugby players. And within the track and field environment, like you'll know, you time a lot, you monitor through speed. Um, and so it was, a, it was a key goal for myself to get Speedgate into the training environment as regularly as possible. Uh, but obviously I had all the fear around that because anytime a speed gates come out in a professional environment, people get hurt and that's kind of um, congruent across sport and definitely in, in rugby, um, people pull hamstrings and, and all sorts and the sniper comes out and polishes his scope. But so the idea was like, so how, how am I going to prepare my players? A, obviously physically, but also mentally to, um, to use these gates efficiently and respect the gates but then also how am i going to convince the person because i came in as a, as a number two how am i going to convince my boss to allow me to do this um so i sort of argued and and and, and pled the case of obviously you know we're going to be we need to use speed gates because we need to track time we were one of the only teams playing on an artificial pitch in the country and our um our our sort of maverick was having that harder surface so it would take more out of the opposition when they play so we need to be better prepared for it so so basically i started thinking about how we just gonna um uh sort of get the players 
aware that speed gates were out and and how are we going to sort of desensitize them to that level of stress and this is where it kind of got into the psychological elements of it is where we started treating it as a phobia because speed gates come out anxiety levels go through go through the roof positive or negative um physios shut their eyes and you know everyone just hopes for the best um so the idea was that we started using something called like sensory um desensitization so what we would do is bring the gates out and put the gates on the side of the pitch just in the bag and when we first started with the speed work i started all my players in trainers it's very similar to what you would do when you're coming off of a winter training or into winter training with track you wouldn't be on the, the mondo first you'd be on the grass getting accustomed to the surface so we started them in the trainers nice and relaxed kept it all calm gates on the side of the field and then systematically as we started to in, increase um, the complexity of work with all the drills we did a lot of extensive drilling sneaking in because um, you use plyometrics in in sport and you say that to a lot of coaches people always think depth jumps we were doing drills so there's a lot of extensive plyos um working on that tendon robustness and obviously complementing that with the work in the gym um so as we sort of increase if you can measure this just as a as a linear um progression that we would as the speed increased of the drill the complexity increased of the drill as the force applied into the ground increased and the rate of that increased we then would stagger the exposure to the gates as that came through so uh, as the 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 setup would be gates uh, in the bag, then gates set up by the side of the pitch. You go through all the questions. Oh, are we going through the gates? Are we going through the gates? It's like, no, not today. They're just, I just want you to see the gates. We have speed gates, just so you know, and I'm, I'm aware of it too. Um, so, and as we sort of got through it, it'd be like, right, I need you to, so the gates are on now. We're a couple of weeks in, the gates are on now. We're going to do A skips through the gates. You know, uh, we're going to do switch drills through the gates. We're going to do some dribbles, bound bleeds, still extensive qualities, and just started to get them to hear the beeps, hear the noise. So then they're not chasing a sound. Their their feedback loop, loop is always positive because originally we're chasing a technical bias towards the beeps and towards the time because all they get is like that Pavlovian um, uh, psychology is like, they see the gates then we get that anxiety change and we basically through the process of that of trying to negotiate with my boss that this was a good idea he had to be watching me and i'm saying to him you know we're not running fast we're running technically and if as you know if you technically run run fast you run faster so it was all the idea was just creating relaxation um, and also with the with the complexity of building up progressive bounds, we and like our one step push, our two step push, we would waterfall the guys through. So we would be coaching every rep. We then started to play speedgate golf. So speedgate golf, we call it closest to the pin. Um, there's like a it came from a skill game where a kicking game where you just put a marker down and close. It's like horse, essentially horse. So. What it would be, it's like, right, as a coach, what am I looking for now with my players? They've hit these base KPIs of drill, uh, um, drill sort of mastery. They're competent in that. They've they've got a lot of extensive plyo load. They're still in their trainers. So, you know, from them, if if boots go on, then we I'll get into that later, how we conditioned this. But they're they're still at, they're still at a two out of ten really I know what we're getting but what we're doing is we're getting so much learning so we're trying to internalise what speed is because it's not taught in rugby in the UK it's probably not taught in a lot of places but um, it's funny how running based sports people don't get taught how to run I've never never got that but the um, so then we would be right you're at the gate tell me what time you're going to run. And then someone will go, oh, 1.3. It's like, right, back to, get to the back of the queue because they're, they've, 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 missed the, they've missed the point there. You know, they've given a chance, right? They've showed me they're, they're a little bit cocky. Their anxiety level is like back of the queue. It's like, right, you're going to run 10 meters in two seconds. Okay, and they're like, what? Is that slow? It's like, yes, but I want you to run it technically well. And then we would go into the technical model, just talk about, you know, I just need you to get knee forward. What is our angle relative to the ground? What do we do with our limbs? And it would be very coach Q&A, guided discovery. And it's like, right, go. Show me you can push. 
and and then they would start working through and then it just became a game it became a really competitive game because people wanted to run slow and it was instead of them all just wanting to run fast the game was to run slow but run slow technically well and at that moment i was like wow i've i've cracked this here with them because they're bought in as a from that point and then like from from tony holler like we post and publish like anytime a guy ran a two second 10 there was me and him shaking hands holding a two second 10 meter split going on my instagram and everyone's like dm me like yeah that's really slow i was like i know but he told me he was going to run that time and and within that as well you then we just built a process of intensification off the back of that because they show me that they respect it they understand it they know the consequences if they abuse it and within that now all we've got to do because what we've got is an inherent rhythm and we just took our rhythm from our a skip drills and our basic bounds and we put that into the gates and then we've got a time we've got an objective marker from it so within obviously with a we've everyone's got a base heartbeat and the gap between the beats um always stays the same consistently it just it speeds up and that's the same with acceleration that's the same with sprinting it's just that tempo and that alignment so we just it's like right show me your a skip do me do the bound now just speed it up a little bit but it has to stay consistent then we went to one nine one eight one seven and and then we started bringing uh everyone was happy at this point um no one got hurt everyone was like working through what we're getting is we're, we're able to get a lot of a lot of reps through it and every step is a rep and we're working off like five or six seven contacts per 10 meters they're getting like five or six goes i'm getting good good bound work in there and then it was like right so now guys what we're going to do is you're going to put your boots on and then we add that extra layer of psychological complexity it's like okay so i'll put my boots on what does coach want me to do so boots go on we go fast show me that you can now respect it and stay in technical model and the guys would be watching each other and it would be peer coaching i would just be shouting out like good rep bad rep what's happening he's telling me to run this time why is he run that time and it always come back to rhythm timing coordination and the first two pushes so he's getting out it's that block clearance um so they would all start be starting to learn this understand it see it visualize it bring it back into their own runs um complemented with all the all the work in the gym and then i was able to then take that from acceleration and we from there we were able just to roll straight into fly tents with, with 10 meter build-ups 20 meter build-ups we did some of our wicket work not too much um because the time that i had uh, to do this like in pre-season i had two 30 minute sessions a week and then in season i only had half an hour so i had to sneak in everything and teach them a lot very quick and I had a, an Argentinian player, so I had to teach him it all in Spanish. I had to learn Spanish cues to teach him that. Um, and and he was he was cool because it's amazing what language you don't have to use when you don't know how to speak it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so and we were able just to open that up um, and managing and understanding where they were with their cycles in the gym to where they were in the season, like in, applying that whole context. We were able to push and pull back. It's like guys big a golf it's a two it's a two second day in trainers I'm like why it's like well we're gonna do eight or nine reps now because it would go back to that in extensive qualities and then we go intensive qualities and then 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 we get to the point where boots are on gates are out and you're wearing your gps it's like sam's hungry for some speed today <laughs> we're at, we and we then we took them from the from the pitch there was uh, over the back of our facility there was a, like a, a an artificial surface in a cage so right we're in the cage now so you go into the cage boots on spot uh, like spike up basically gates are out gps is on and then we took the boom box out and it was pandemonium like everyone was flying and it, and it, we had this cycle going and we built in all those psychological triggers that would say it's go time now it's go time or pull back and they and then we i just used that language and used those um types of things in my weight room work as well and it, it just became this whole sort of system of, of development and i mean in my first year we didn't have a single hamstring calf groin issue at all out of 20 i was responsible for like 28 players 
and we were knocking boys down into for 10 meters and a two point low one sixes at a 33 year old run as the fastest time he had run equal pb to what he ran 10 years before wow um and we were taking i had all my guys in like running very very fast and guys getting close to 10 meters per second on gps and and these are 100 kilo six foot athletes um and yeah rugby players so they're all banged up a little bit as well so that's kind of the story of speedgate golf and closest to the pin you're listening to the just fly performance podcast brought to you by simply faster <laughs> that's, a, that's a wonderful story because it it has i mean there's literally five questions i could ask you following up right now um but i i think the the most awesome thing to me is just that the fact that they set lifetime prs or it was the most effective and injury-free speed training and yet running as fast as you can every time was not the goal like it it and it blends so many things like like the idea of like easy strength the the strength training method where it's like always leaving reps in the bank not pushing yourself to failure so you can yeah. come back tomorrow better, but then also like psychology and brain network uh, ideas. I, 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 maybe in the follow-up question I'll ask you is this, is what, like, do you have a background in like psychology that, that really kind of helped you to prompt this? Cause as you talk about it, it sounds like there's a lot of things that you've drawn from the world of, of the psychological space. Um, I mean, not really like if you were to meet me, I'm like as mad as they come, I'd say. Um, but the idea of just being able to the, the what I had to think about was how am I going to get these guys to where I need them to be and not put them at risk? And then that was my coaching question. And I, I found the answers like my mum's a teacher. Um, I actually started coaching when I was 13 um, and I used to help out with my dad coaching football and coaching rugby and, and bits and pieces like that. But it was kind of like just the question is I need these guys to get better and I need to make them safe. So let's come up with something where we just gradually intensify make it a game. And then all the, all the blanks just sort of fell into place. And also for me as a person still running through gates and I respect them. And then how do I get other people to respect them? You know, and then that's kind of the questions that I was asking. Yeah, I, the idea of just making like typical training a game, I think, is so powerful. I I used to incorporate games uh, a lot for my track and field athletes, just because I, I felt yeah. like it was so good for them just to warm up with thirty minutes of ultimate frisbee, or we'll play a game on in the middle of the week instead of a typical training session. And it was awesome. Yeah. But we always had that little like injury risk. Like I had a high jumper roll his ankle once. I guess it's like you know it's going to happen at some point. But like I think about um, the one time I made a, a typical lift. And I was going to ask you about how your language has changed in the weight room here. Uh, but like there was one time with my water polo team, I kind of did a special kind of day for them. Instead of training, they were, they were like 10 minutes through. And then I kind of like surprised them. Like I said, everybody up, you know, back up to this area. We're going to do a game today. Like and it was a big yeah. kind of a adventure uh, with different uh, with different physical challenges throughout the gymnasium. And, and it was like a, uh, like a treasure hunt almost, if you will. And one of the stations was the bar is only loaded with 60 kilos and there was a tendo on it and you have to clean it and hit exactly 225. It's someone in yeah. your group. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and there was, I mean, just remember distinctly, there was one guy who probably did like 40 cleans with that thing to try to get it. Like not in a row, <laughs> but like, like, you know, like the other guy yeah. would go, then he would go and do it again or whatever. And his, you know, max was well beyond that. But I remember the next day, he walked in and the vertex was up and he went to jump and touch it. And he, I think he jumped about the highest he ever had. And I was yeah. just thinking something to do with like, you know, it's whatever he did was all, it was all about quality. It was all about fun. It was explosive, but there wasn't that extra like forebrain psychological, like grindiness to it, you know? Yeah. And, and I just think that's a beautiful thing. Like, and I'm any, any context that that's happening where it's like a typical, there's almost like this gamification, if you will, of a typical t- training construct. I, I just think there's so much good out of that. Yeah, and they, no, 100. percent And and I'm a big I'm a big fan and a big believer of just talking to your athletes like people, as well. And we, you know, I out like right at the beginning, it's like guys, the gates are out. They're coming out. We're going to use them, but this is the X Y Z of it, and and that is it. Um, you're all grown ups, so be grown ups, and then the the fun like commenced 
from there and we just you put them in that ball break get them straight back out of it as quick as you yeah, can yeah yeah you know like see it for what it is um and 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 just have like have fun and then, then as we get through the golf they're they're like you know why are we doing this what are we doing this and they see things happen it's like that's like this it like this is all being the plan this is all being the plan and look at what you're doing now and then you see the penny drop like two or three months later and they're like wow you know this is it's cool. It's cool because we then start bringing the gates out into pre-warm-ups before rugby sessions, and they would come out and the looks I got from the technical coaches there is like he's got speed gates out in the warm-ups. Like, yeah, I haven't. You've only got six minutes. Yeah, I've got six minutes, but my guys knew their warm-up and they were out 15 minutes before the session doing their speed warm-up. So as soon as they came to me, they were ready to go because they got it. Yeah, you know, and, and bringing that game straight into pre-training with context and intent, they train better. Yeah, and and I feel like it just could filter over to literally almost everything in the game itself as well. Um, and, yeah, and even like uh, this is just a thought I was having too. Like, you know, coaches. I mean, we're often reluctant and for good reason to do an actual like forty yard or, or sixty meter or thirty mile yard or ten yard fly test when athletes just report back to camp. Like it would be silly because people would pull hamstrings, right? But then yeah. if you'd watch them play, they probably are doing a flying ten yard sprint in the course of practice at some point yep. without having a ton of preparation. And yes, the injury risk is risk is certainly higher at that point, but not nearly as high as if you took the gates out. And yeah, for sure. Just like the and that's si- that anxiety yeah. to it though, isn't it? And that arousal. Yeah, and like I feel like so much is to like the 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 forebrain being on too much. Like I was talking, mm. um, like I, I had this realization a few months ago, just training by myself, and I would, uh, I'm 35 now, and I, I still you know do gate sprints all the time, and and I, I finally have have locked this this injury down. It's fine now uh, through I think through through a combination of extreme isometric lunges and a few other things. But I used to my groin, my right groin used to light up all the time when I would sprint, like yeah. when I would do acceleration, like running a 30 uh, meter dash or 40 yard dash. And I I found that when I um uh, there's the David Weck who's been on this show has these little pulsers, these little weights you hold in your hand, they're like eight ounces or, or ten ounces, yep. and they shake. And if I ran with those, I would never my groin would never pull, like it wouldn't like yep. hurt. And it was almost because I when I ran with the pulsers, I ran to the rhythm of them. It, yep. it like is this feedback loop that keeps you from thinking too much but then i take them i i would drop them and i would sprint yeah. <laughs> and if that, then there would like it wouldn't pull it but it would hurt i was like oh man like it was almost just like too much too much mind you know and you're not letting the body you know pick and choose the rhythm anymore and i, I just think that yeah it's it is it is so interesting how your stra- you know your strategy to mitigate the overthinking process is um yeah it's, it's really good stuff sam Thank you. I appreciate it. Like the boys, you know, I have to give credit to the boys that I was working with. They're like a tremendous group as well. And, and I felt like we got the best out of them because they believed in it. And I was, I was honest with them. I was like, I want you to run fast times, but we've got to pave the way there. And like with the max velocity stuff and how we prepared them to, um, to do these fly efforts was, was straight out of like the old Verkashansky books, the, the um, long accelerations. So it's like, I need you to take what you would get to in your flat out 10 and get there in 50 meters. And then we would, we would use the GPS as well. And you know, like prime times? Yeah. So we would, and dribbles, we would, I would basically, um, I, came, I was like, right, so I need to build in the stiffness of the posterior chain the complete posterior chain so how, how am i going to do it for that for that stance phase i was like fuck i'm just going to do like prime time bleed and vary up the the frequency and the tempo and the force and just went on a stream with that and then my guys were doing 60 meter prime times and they were getting over like eight meters per second on gps oh and like yeah they would do them before training and it's like right you're going to prime time Prime time up to the 40 or up to the 50, and then I just want you to switch out into that high A stance. You're going to hit you off your favoured leg, you know, like that that classic A A position or like what a jumper you would get when they drive the knee off the board, and just hit that and then fire out for it. And they would, before they got to there, most of them were getting up to like eight meters per second. And I was like, if they're doing that off straight leg, then they're ready to go. And we we you know you run fast last, finish first, you know. 
Yeah, it seems like team sport players as well, compared to track athletes, probably typically miss that that like straighter leg, that swing leg retraction as the leg is kind of hitting the ground. And so that, yeah, that seems like working that prime time into that system would be a thing of beauty Mm. for helping the top, the top end mechanics of those athletes. Yeah, for sure. Cause they're all taught to run with high knees and, and move in and out of ladders. Um, they, you know, there's a lack of basic physics applied to, to running in, in team-based sports, especially in the UK. Um, you know, we didn't we didn't have a whole lot of equipment. We used the lines on the pitch and some yeah. speed gates, and that's it. Yeah, you know? the minimalist the minimalist strategy is definitely an effective one, no doubt. I uh, I was gonna yeah. yeah ask you about you said you said you were taking some of that language you're using with the running into the weight room. Was there anything in the weight room that was really kind of reciprocating those ideas? Yeah, I so you know I try my best to look at. Um, the the gym and the whole performance world just holistically i really do um how you know and what helps is having played and still play and know when i cook it or when i don't and what makes me feel good and i'm a winger so like running fast is what i what i do albeit relative to the level i'm playing at (laughs) but the um so essentially it was it was the same approach and it was from the outset it was right guys you know, we're in the gym. What is the gym and what does the gym mean to you? What does it mean to you as a player? What does it mean to us as our as our identity, as a group? Because I had all the backs. It was like, who are we as backs? Um, and and what do we what do we want to get out of this? And everyone's like, jump higher, run faster, hit harder. You know, I have all that and a few few guns. You know, obviously you need protection when you're hitting each other. Um, so it was like, sweet. Okay, so now for everything that I tell you, I'm going to give you a reason why it's going to make you run faster. And there's not going to be a single bit of wasted time in here that's not going to help you achieve your goal. Um, and and from there, it was like literally from the outset, it's like, right, what? So it would be constantly rela- relaying back to Speedgate Golf uh, originally, then into r- what rugby is. And it was, you know, so we, we started with like a, I, I ran like a modified. Um, triphasic and in my initial blocks we used the Schrader stuff with the long duration isometric holds we built them up weighted we never went too too far beyond 30 seconds but we intensified from 30 seconds um and that would then sort of if you if you manage that imagine that like evolution of of a workout where that being so demanding it then became tertiary and they would just be started the prep and they would all be in there doing their push-up hold their lunge hold and and then that would be part of the warm-up um as opposed to the main work and then so for instance like how we how we played it out we don't i didn't back squat my guys um we we did split squat um and we worked eccentrically we worked isometrically we worked reactively uh, we worked um from an energy system context as well so we went highly alactic with speed and force as we progress through towards the peaking phase of the season so applied like a lot of concepts of track and field into the the weight room in the periodization for track and field for peaking for competitions and stuff because people's like there's a few arguments around team sports and stuff that's like well if you have a constant load on the field and you know you have a constant load on the field then what's wrong with manipulating your variables around that you know just look at it the other way you're you're complementing the field work, not detracting from the field work, but you're also developing the athlete to be better at the field work. So plan B, plan C, cut, well, I had days where I cut the volume in half, like, or even three quarters, because I just knew I needed this one hit and would play off of that. So how the comp- competition and how different days came in, like I had a, like a high-low approach, um, and on it would all be around the music in the gym. So the psychology of the music and how I would come into the gym as well. Um, I'm not a big hype guy. I'm a fan of my players. Like any player I work with, I'm a massive fan of them. I could work with three different players from three different teams and I'd love them all the same because it's all about them as the person. Um, so, you know, I would pick the guy um, that would uh, that would probably, like for the day that I needed the type of music from his personality. And the room would mirror his personality then. Um, we'd always meditate in the morning. Um, so we'd always have that. And I would gauge my day off of that as well, how restless they are and, you know, uh, feed the cats type, type stuff. 
um and uh you know papa when we were at the world athletic center is like if they're chatty then we go and if they're not you know but when my guys are on the floor and we used to do up to five minutes of meditative breathing in, in pure quiet if that if at five minutes and i've got three of them asleep i'm doing something different <laughs> you know in response to the game but i digress my, my my brain goes on different stories and but how we got from the the game making the weight room a game like yeah first block okay you're gonna lift heavy we're gonna get it heavy now i care about the numbers that you lift after the first four weeks i didn't give a fuck i don't know if i can swear on it but i didn't care how heavy they were and i told them that we didn't have any velocity based measures or anything like that i had we had like hank use your eyes we've been doing vbt for years we just watch the bar if it's faster than it's slower there you go um so but then what we would do is i've i've, I've done it for quite a while because i had this disconnect for for ages and, and thinking of how like so what is training and james smith said this to me when i, I was very fortunate um my first two weeks of ever observing an snc coach was james smith um and he said to me on the first few days it was like when you start looking at training as an organism in response to oxygen then you're going to go a long way and so you, you had this disconnect it's like the gym is an energy system work no the gym is exactly energy system work not like as it is on the field as it is so we'd stimulate the alactic system and this is where we'd have competitions this was fucking cool sorry um so we would have um i'd have what how many racks was it there was six racks in the gym okay and every rack was a team and when we got to our peaking stage i would stand on a plyo box in the middle of the gym with a whistle in my hand and we would everyone would put 40 kilos on the bar they were all roughly like the same so for instance for a split squat i had guys um moving the bar fast with 150 kilo split squat for five reps you know so that's the type of strength that they were so that's cl- what's that close to 300 pounds yeah yeah so they were they were doing that and then obviously we progressed through spe- specificity of range so we went from knee touching the ground to just get in and get out, how you feel fit relative to your own limb length. So then everyone with roughly 40 kilos, we picked a standardized weight. Um, and it was like, right, today, so we went from alactic capacity to alactic power. So we went, we waved from 15 seconds, so real high end alactic capacity, waved all the way down to six. And the goal was to get as many reps as you can in that time. There was a qualification round. So if you're in round one in the rack, top three went through to the next round others went into the playoff so you progress through the system so when we got everyone we ended up getting a final and i kid you not like after we'd done our extensive pliers and stuff like that we would spend you know half an hour in this in this competition of, of alactic split squats for reps and the boys like oh it was incredible like the the music bumping i'm you can imagine me. i'm like six foot four so i'm standing on top of like a 50 centimeter plyometric box in the middle of the gym just like waxing lyrical shouting at everyone <laughs> like the fat controller and everyone's <laughs> like was like you're in your rack and your rack was your team as well so it's like this competitive state it was like it was pandemonium it was amazing and then you because you want you needed as many people from your team to get through the rounds because then you'd have more rest as well so it was like count your mate and i had all my interns we had three interns i say my interns they're not second class citizens they're just (laughs) students on the job um a big fan of interns haven't been one and they um so they'll be counting the reps we'd have the scoreboard going they'll be arguing so i can still see it in my head like i'm I'm right back to this place i got one of these players he's like going not a fucking chance this is not my reps like absolutely kicking up the fuss and um so and then we'd have this whole competition and you they knew when i was like it's time day today they knew it was on it was the same as boots gates um uh, GPS and you know, we had built that whole psychological continuum from eccentric, slow eccentrics and isometrics to for relaxed state to to then ramping the, the arousal all the way through the periodization of the weight room program that mimicked and replicated the work outside and it was slightly offset say about 10 to 12 days in the gym because I wanted to demonstrate now in track you'd probably do it the other way around but I wanted to demonstrate with the with the team sport athletes is like 
you know, now we've been working on reactive drop, reactive drop um, work in the gym. It's like, right, well, I need you to learn that relaxation in your acceleration pushing. Or when you find your A stance push, I need you to recognize it, relax out of it and push off your next step. So we bring the context because they're all meatheads, the context of what we were doing into the gym and put it out on the field. Um, you know, and if I had it my way, they'd be they'd be doing resisted accelerations in their gym work. Um, but, you know, I didn't make all those uh, decisions unfortunately but you know that that's kind of how the weight room came in and came alive with um with with the with the speedgate golf and you know we had some some amazing results out of that as well and you know i had one guy do with 40 kilos on the bench in seven seconds he did 14 reps you know and and that's relaxation speed yeah you know, and and they're because they always want to be on. Athletes always want to be on. It's like now nah, be off. Like you said, too much mind, Mr. Miyagi. Like keep keep that third eye wide open. You see everything, don't you? You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast, brought to you by Simply Faster. Yeah, yeah. Too much too much mind is um. Mr. Yeah, Mr. Miyagi. I think would have been a good coach. A good uh. Well, strength coach yeah. for those who are ready to receive his uh, teaching. Yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you'd get a clean floor while you're at it, wouldn't you? Yes, absolutely. I I, uh, I feel like, uh, and what you said just about like, and I think about this in pl- training some athletes, like tennis is one that really resonates in particular where there's like such a huge switch between, I guess, quote unquote, training and, and playing and competing. It's like, yeah. I've had groups uh, in the past who it's just like the most... Uh, my group like that now isn't like this so much but like uh i've had groups in the past where they really didn't you could just tell they really didn't like to they really just didn't like to train like it wasn't even lifting weights thing they just would rather be playing and then you'd go out and you'd watch them play and everything was different and i'm like if we could take this that i'm seeing out of you right now playing on the court and we could put a little bit of this in the weight room like yeah then it would just be everything would change and and that what you were saying right there and how you were doing that i'm like well that's i think i think that's that's what's needed you know and it's also got to be something like obviously relative to needs of sport too like like my yeah. tennis guys have different needs what they would need to compete at having them compete at you know who can squat the most x amount of time may not be so conducive to their sport but for you know a different yeah. sport might would certainly be and uh, so i guess it just takes a little creativity but i you was gonna play around with some like rotational med ball type wall rebound yeah. race or just oh, that's off the top of my head but that kind of thing is i'm a big fan of specificity and i hate simulation because it's all over the internet but you know you know what i'm saying yeah exactly no i think that stuff is an awesome idea and those guys would love something like that like especially the more that they can feel yeah. the connection to the sport and and the the culture of the sport and yeah. connect the dots then it just makes it so powerful and yeah i like I, I even i've had this i like how you talk about pandemonium too i, I this is a little bit you know my mind kind of goes different places as well sometimes but i i was thinking to myself yeah. the other day like what you know for a strength coach to hit on every possible level you know mind body spirit and and fully engage um a group of athletes i, I think about like you know, you've seen those videos like Wim Hof leading initiates through the yeah. ice water challenges. And it's like crazy, right? Like there's, you know, I, I, it's like almost like there has to be, there has to be whatever way that emotional connection to what you're doing is established. I think that, you know, and, and sometimes that is a little bit different than I think the typical, okay, here's what we're doing, you know, like yeah. training X, Y, Z and da, da, da. Like, I mean, there's so many ways you can play, right? But like, I, I just think about that a lot and how, how, what the environment of the weight room what's what's going to be optimal to get this to transfer when you play yeah for sure and and you always get like and i was there and i still i still track numbers and i think it's important to track data like good coaches measure and they're held accountable to their results and that's important for you to develop as a practitioner um that's why a big part with the speed gates is like i'm measuring you all the time because i'm competing with myself as well if you get better then i know we're working but at the same time, like I was talking to one of my players and he was like, oh, are you enjoying yourself? I was like, yeah. Do you know what happened like the other day? I just stopped caring. Like, I care about you, but I just stopped caring. We are going to, I, I stopped caring about a lot of the like things you get tied to when you're fresh out of uni or early, like the periodization and you know, you have good ideas of concepts and stuff, but you should let it go. Let it go and, and as rogue as that sounds, but then that, this is when all this started creating. This is when all this started happening and, and the results came with it. It's like 
what periodization do you do monday to sunday <laughs> you know look at a big picture look at a big picture and and then you know the rest will sort of fall into place and i have players running on on uh, four day rollovers and they would do they would only do three of the same workout in six weeks because that's what they needed I took that from track and field because i didn't like he, he may listen to it, he may not, it doesn't matter, but he never knew like that this was going on with some of these players because I, I knew what they needed. I didn't have to have that conversation. I didn't care about that. Let's put him first. Let's let go of all this stuff and let's lengthen their cycles, condense their cycles, do different things. And then when, like you say, like when they start taking those things and doing some of the pre, pre-jump work, the rep work in their own personal warm-ups because they know it feels better, they know it's good for them, then that is the most enriching that's where you are that's that Wim Hof moment that's where you are in it yeah and and I yeah and I, I felt that a good few times I had a very very a good experience I told you about today and that's when you're in it and and it all just comes together yeah that full immersion in the task at hand like yeah that's what you're chasing yeah absolutely I I and uh yeah that just even talking to you today it just like really sparks this fire in my mind to find the way to chase that and I think it's like it's so easy to 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 just have I don't know it's so easy to 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 just I guess settle for um, you know, just kind of a ho hum attitude and just kind of be like oh like you know it's as if like it's the athlete's fault all the time you know like yeah and... well because it's always the athlete's fault isn't it yeah <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know they you know for the the talented people that they are they get blamed for too much yeah you know yeah I I um. I, yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. It's an interesting world the way that we perceive, um, you know, the reasons for various things. And I'm I'm just you know I'm I'm certainly dipping my toes in that and growing slowly older and wiser in that over time. I uh, one one last question I kind of wanted to lead with and or finish with is and we talked about this we touched on this before we started talking, but taking this into sports skill, this idea into um, like a sport specific skill that players are actually doing on the field. Like if it, it, a governing yeah. dynamics idea, if you were the sport coach, um, yeah. how would you, how would you utilize that if you were the sport coach? So, well, I mean, we started, um, I started bringing it in. Like I watched the, the England rugby. Um, I went into their camp and they were doing a few different bits and pieces about um, timing the execution for the ball to get through four sets of hands. Um and and I, it just got me thinking. I was like, that's that's measurable rugby. It's just measurable rugby. So I then started. So I had a couple of injured players, and they would be working through their tempo. So they'd be doing their extensive tempo work, passing a rugby ball. Like I'm not a fan of like, and I've stayed away from it of like doing the plate halos when running and stuff like that because it's meant to replicate the ball or and, and throw people off. And I've stayed away from it. I've not done too much reading into Bosch um, because I want to learn what Dan Bath is very good at because I, I met him first, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and, and it's got me very far. Um, so it's like, right, if I need to challenge them, I need to challenge their gait whilst playing rugby because they're like, oh, no one cares what they can run through a gate. Well, they kind of catch, catch and pass at speed. I was like, right, well, let's fucking do this then. So all my guys would be in their tempo work. They'd be catching and passing balls, catching and passing balls with the goal not to break stride, not to break gate. And then in, you know, so that's one way of taking the physical preparation aspect and implementing the sports skill aspect because it's a, both a very high complex process task taking given it, it and then we started at slow speeds moved to fast speeds and then we'd also work on acceleration so obviously you know the game of rugby um you play to the line uh, and you've got a tackle line and a game line it's like right well now it's back foot tackle line ball because the tackle line is like call it sort of 45 degrees relative to the the line that you need to break so it's like right tackle line passing now so you would have the gate set up and you'd have it five meters away so you'd have them running in pairs and you would have a five meter channel and I'd be like, go. And I'd throw them a ball. They'd have to break the gate and there would be a, a blockade or even a person. Sometimes you do the person. I felt like someone's <laughs> going to get seriously injured. But they had a person in front of them and they'd have to get that ball. So just about to get man a ball and get it away. And the other guy had to get through. So his timing, his perception of, of a line bust that he was running was measured. And their coupled skill action was measured. 
so then you'd have guys going through five meters in, and it, it all got again very competitive but it was bringing uh, acceleration what we had done in a general sense even like a time gate speed is still very general to the game of sport but we, we were bringing that into practice and then we would also do it's like right i need you to pick an overs line so an overs line would be and we'd pre-plan it so it wasn't it was still learning so it was, it was measured in time but i know overs line would be someone would run a hard line in and then a bounce out it's the idea is to get on the outside of the defender the same situation it would be like right close your eyes go open their eyes ball ball in their hand he's got to, from a static start punch as hard as he can the guy's got to set his time off and then he's got to get through the second gate and then that became competitive and then it was then we got all the players doing it with the basic four um uh, four four passes down the line in 10 meters you have to get through the ball has to get to the last guy before he gets through and then we would look at um uh, using our line drills for acceleration work so first guy if you're always first it's important to be first and first on the ball um we set you up we set your stride pattern up so it's boom 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 get out you can't release until you get out so you you've created maximal momentum and then you've got to deliver a high skill execution and then move the ball down the line and everyone has to react to that um so that's kind of how like i brought speed into the skill learning environment because everyone knows there's this there's like in the rugby like you put the fast guy that can't tackle and can't catch on the wing and just hope that no one goes near him or hope someone gives him the ball and and that was me um and i catch half the balls now but the the idea of bringing that in and bringing that into the game um with intent and having that actionable um focus and taking them out of forebrain but putting them back into it taking them back out of it and then creating a game and then the amount of you would call it like joué they call it joué in, in the uk play in french you know and and they just there you go joué and the amount of different passes that they were coming up with and it was all pressurized you know there was panic there's high arousal and the amount of skills that they would come up with is like over the shoulder out the back because they had misread their speed but they were getting the ball down the line and it was like it was it was yeah it was, i'll call it beautiful it was absolutely beautiful joe that was kind of bridging that gap again yeah yeah i think it is a maybe a motor learning i don't know if it's a franz boss term or not but like the the applying different contexts to the game and that that with the with the timing gates what a different context and how 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 does that i i read um this was like three or four year, years ago it's like it was like a feed the cats but it's like a speed-based football like where they were using american football here in high school but they were using similar like timing gates for various drills and okay. things like that and i'd never seen yeah. that before and i was like whoa I'm not a sport coach or a football coach, but I think if I was, I would want to do something like this. And then I was yeah. just listening to what you were saying, and I was like, no, I think this is the future of, you know, however long it does take, like, yeah. you know, for all these fields to bleed together, physical prep and motor learning and sport coaching, it, it, whatever, as those do slowly bleed together over time, I, I think that's mm -hmm. where a lot of the future of coaching is going to be and, and what it means to have transfer, right? Like, and yeah. I, it's really good stuff, Sam. And you can do that. And this is the thing, like you can do it at all levels. Like my girlfriend, she's a four hurdler and she was at a track um, with the kids club and they were like just getting them to run laps. It's like this is you're going to put someone off sport that way. Yeah. And oh, even yeah. In, like we've got our kids groups as well and they do drop jumps. They do RSI monitoring because they know why and they do the one by 20 because they know why. And it's not because they're not, they're not prepared. I don't think a kid will jump off a climbing frame. Like you've got a young kid. They can step off a 30-centimeter box and jump in the air, like no issue. Um, but, you know, having that context around everything and, and playing medball volleyball and, and learning game and learning space and having play and play in the gym, you know, play to them is like um, the 9, 10-year-olds. It's like I've got a program, so I get to write my results in. It's play. The highly organized play. And it's kind of like, building that all back in and yeah it's just huge and it's something that i'm really enjoying exploring from all different levels all different angles and you know one day hopefully i get hold of a rugby team and um start causing some serious chaos yeah i can't wait for that tell me when you do i can't wait to follow up and yeah. see what you guys do so um well, that's just such good stuff and, and play and organ like it's like we still play it's just a little more organized now <laughs> you know it's yeah but that, that frame of it all and i love it um well sam thank you so much for the talk today it was awesome chatting with you and really enjoyable concepts i'm going to be thinking about this stuff a lot all week i'm sure so uh appreciate your time man 
No, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure to ch chat with you. It's been it's been real good fun. Thanks for tuning in for another show. That does it for this week. And it was really great talking with Sam. Um, I just love talking with coaches who see the game from different angles and uh, different angles that I'm not aware of. And it just really makes us all better. And I think there was so much gold in that episode. So it was one that I really enjoyed going back through, trying to make the notes for the exact in implementation, uh, implementation and integration of the Speedgate Golf system. And it's something that's just applicable to so many areas of our field, whether you're a jumps coach, a rugby coach, a football coach, a track coach. I, I think there was something for everybody in that show. And thanks again to Sam for being on. Please visit our sponsor, simplyfaster.com, suppliers of high-end training technology. Uh, if you enjoyed the uh, podcast episode and you're enjoying the series, um, definitely don't hesitate. Leave us a rating or review. It would really help us out in spreading the word on this show and the many great guests and what they have to offer to those who are seeking information in the sports performance sector, athletic training, um, this whole thing we call sports performance, I guess, if you could define it. So we would really appreciate that. Uh, last but not least, before I uh, get off the line, uh, check out my new book, Speed Strength. It is for sale on JustFlySports.com right now. Uh, you can also get it on Amazon if you are international. If you're in the U.S., head over to Just Fly Sports. It's uh, been highly reviewed by many of the best uh, across various disciplines of the field. And I think it has a ton of unique information you're not going to find anywhere else, uh, not on the website or even on this podcast. So see what's in the book. I think you will really enjoy it. And it was, um, it was a tremendous experience writing it. Okay, that does it. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good one.